Today, more than ever, we as mothers need to rise up to develop our children into leaders to transform culture. To transform culture, you need transformed leaders. Karen is the mother of four twin and teenage children, two of whom are adopted from the Democratic Republic of Congo. She loves watching them all thrive and grow, find their identity in Christ, and discover their path he has for each of them. Besides Sunday mornings, Karen's favorite part of each week is Friday night date night with Chuck, her husband, every week for 21 years. Karen is also the assistant director of Christian Union New York, where she helps develop Christian leaders, largely Ivy League alumni and Christians in positions of leadership in the city. Welcome to the Gems of Motherhood, Karen. It's so great to have you on the show. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be with you all today. Yes, absolutely. I know that you're going to have a lot to share. What you're doing with Christian Union, it's really, really great. I used to attend your meetings and I haven't been able to since I've had my kid, (laughs) but Matt Bennett does a really great job with it. And so (laughs) it was really, uh, it was really fun during those times that I was able to attend some of those meetings. Yeah, definitely the privilege of one of the privileges of my life to be part of such an organization. It's it's been life changing and shaping for me and our entire family as well as we're talking about motherhood and children. So Mm -hmm. I'm incredibly grateful for the opportunity to serve the Lord. Yeah. And it's huge, especially today. We need to transform our children into leaders. It's so important, especially in this day and age. So mothers have a huge calling and role to help shape their children into becoming leaders, which was what we were talking about. And values can reflect how strongly people feel about issues and how committed they are into their beliefs. Do you think from your point of view that a mother's role should be at home? And when do you think a mother should be home with their children? That's a fantastic question. It's like the stepping out into the minefield, right? (laughs) Because I think that there is not a one size fits all answer for this for Christian women. Ultimately, it's essential to seek the Lord, to ask him for his specific guidance for your life based on the gifts and the callings that he's given to you, the things he's called you into. At the same time, I would say there's no higher priority and calling if God gifts you with children than to be the, their mother. No one else is going to be their mother. So I would say seek the Lord about the timing of when you should be home with them. I would also say from my own experience that life is full of seasons and they are all glorious in their own way. I wouldn't trade any of the wonderful seasons that the Lord has given me Mm -hmm. um, with my children and the many different things actually that the Lord has allowed me to do in addition to parenting my children. So um, I don't know if you are familiar with any of my background. I don't remember if it was in, in the bio or not, but Prior to working full-time in ministry, I was a professional musician. So I had had a music studio with 55 voice and piano students that I managed. I also got to sing um, the principal role in a couple of operas with professional opera companies. Um, And all of this while being a mother, but the years that they were little... Mm-hmm. They were babies. They were toddlers. I was nursing. They were prior to school. There was nowhere I wanted to be other than in the home with my children. That was my personal deep preference. Mm-hmm. And I think that our children have tremendously benefited, of course, from having you know their own parents in the home to nurture and love them through those years. It can be done in other ways. But I would say if someone chooses during those specific years to not be in the home, 
Um, seek the Lord carefully about it. Make sure it's his design, but also guard your heart and your time to make sure that the children and the family remain your priority if you choose to be outside of the home, especially during those early years. And God may call you to be in the home with those children all of their years. Mm-hmm. My story is just that once they're all four in school, I had the time on my hands to do other things. And God started really churning up other passions and desires in my heart to, mm-hmm. to start to step into those things. Now, how long did you stay with them at home? I have four children, as you mentioned, and they're all one grade apart. So two of them are biological mm-hmm. and two of them were adopted from the Congo. Mm-hmm. And so they happen right now. They're 15, 14, 13, and 12 years old. Mm-hmm. So I was at home with them until the last one was in kindergarten. Okay. Until she was able to be in school. Um, now I did do some of like the music studio I had that I ran out of my home and I was able to do that when they were little. So we just had to kind of juggle the parenting mother father schedule yeah. to make sure the kids were all cared for. That was perfect timing for me to still be in the home, still be around and available to them, but start investing into other things too that were of interest to me and that could be a benefit hopefully to other people in the community as well. That's so awesome because you have the gift of music and I'm sure you did that at home with your children, right? I did. I did. And actually, (laughs) for those of you who are mothers out there, you may understand this. Whatever thing that you as a mother do, if you do it as a career, it's usually your kids are the last ones to get it. I don't know if you experienced that, but... (laughs) As the piano and voice teacher, you know, of course, I want to raise my children up as musicians, but they were always on the back burner as far as getting in there for a lesson because there were others. So it actually really helped me um, having the studio Mm -hmm. to be consistent with their own lessons. And also I would form classes to make sure that they also got their spot in the studio and, you know, that they were faithfully able to perform in recitals. And so it did benefit them, but you have to be really strategic and intentional, intentional Mm -hmm. about making sure that your kids are still remaining priority. Yeah. Intentional is such a key word. And Mm -hmm. the key to our life as mothers, as parents, right? Because as Christians, we have to be intentional with everything, especially with our children. Now, you mentioned that you didn't go back until all your children went to school in kindergarten. So obviously you sacrificed a big chunk of years, right? Staying home because you have four kids. So say in total, maybe, I don't know, like almost 10 years. That's about right. And I was working the studio from home some of those years, Mm -hmm. Uh, actually many of those years. Now, some of those years I wasn't doing the music studio. It's actually when my husband took a position as the teaching fellow at Princeton University with Christian Union. Mm -hmm. I wasn't doing anything professionally, no music at that time. I just had our oldest was two and our youngest was eight months when we moved to Princeton and I had the incredible opportunity. I don't know if you've heard some of the stories about God just pouring out um, his spirit and revival. Oh yeah. Uh, I, like read news, I read the newsletters. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So after like six months of speaking the Lord, several hours a day, finally the Lord just, he came and brought revival to that campus. There were over 400 students signed up for Bible courses at Princeton university of, of all places, such a wow. secular environment, right? more so than any other eating club or student organization on campus. So what happened then, this is just to show maybe how the Lord sometimes leads us into other things and calling, even if they're not our plan. They had more women signed up for these Bible courses at Princeton University than they had hired 
ministry fellows to take them, to lead them, to teach them and mentor them. And they were going to have to turn them away. And at that point, I'm mothering these little ones. And I actually had a four-year illness we won't go into, but it was, I was almost debilitated for a time, but I'd learned during those years to really seek the Lord Mm -hmm. and depend entirely on him for his sufficiency and not my self-sufficiency. And I ended up just saying, you know, over my dead body, are we going to send Princeton women away from studying the word of God and being Mm. discipled and mentored to be Christian leaders themselves one day? So at that time, I had no seminary training. I was raising these little ones. I was a musician, but I became a volunteer Bible course leader for these women. It was one of the greatest joys of my life. And just, I'd say a word just to be available. Yes, maybe you're in the home and you're mothering and this is your top priority, but be available and be prepared in in the secret place, in the Mm. time of seeking the Lord and visiting with him and enjoying him. I know that's hard to do when the kids are little, but it's still got to be a priority of some sort. I remember reading, it might've been Jonathan Edwards' wife, Sarah Edwards. They had many, many kids. And was she the one who would put her apron over her head? Oh yeah. I don't know if you read biography, <laughs> but that meant that the kids were not to bother her. She was spending time with the Lord. But just to say, you never know when the Lord is going to call you out into mm-hmm. deeper waters something you never maybe dreamt of or expected. Mm. But if we're available to him, he will use us for things in addition to what I, again, believe is the the top dream and the top priority if the Lord gifts you with children of being there in the home with them and being their mother. Right. Wow. That's so encouraging. I mean, I remember my first, second year as being a mother and there are occasional times where I'm like, ooh, I need to get back to work. I, I want to be able to pursue mm-hmm. my dream. But, and yet I was in this place that I was just torn and I knew that my daughter, my family comes first and yeah. I was having a hard time. But then, you know, I knew what my priorities were. I knew mm-hmm. what I wanted for my family. I knew what I wanted for yeah. my daughter. And yet, you know, the struggle of not being to pursue my dream was hard. But then, Seeking the Lord consistently, he's put me in a place of contentment, be like, it's going to be okay. And then hearing stories about other mothers who were able to later pursue their dreams was also really encouraging because I know that God has restored my dreams in the past tenfolds, you know, and I know that mm. he's able to do it again. And so thank yeah. you for that. So that's really just encouraging. Absolutely. If I can just tag on to that for a minute. I remember those years when the kids were really little and they were home and I just felt like it would never end. Mm -hmm. I felt like I would never have anything else in my life. It's like I almost forgot the part of me that God had raised up from a child that had all these other talents and gifts and interests. Yeah. Um, They lay dormant for a little while, but I would just encourage you and your listeners to really know that it's a season And it was so fast. It seems like forever. But, you know, looking back, once they're all in school, like you have all these other hours open up, there really will come a day. And, you you know, if the Lord leads you to pursue those things earlier than that, by all means, follow his lead. But there will come a day where you have a lot of hours on your hand and you're able to start pursuing those things as long as they're not a detriment to the family. One other thought I'll say, I don't know if you're familiar with Heidi Baker. Mm -hmm, Yes. Okay. So the missionary to Mozambique. And she wrote a book, it might actually be called Carrying the Promise or something like that. I'm not sure if you've read it, but she has this beautiful idea of 
when God has a promise for your life, he has mm. something that he's created you to do that he has spoken over you. We're to carry that almost like we carry a pregnancy, mm. almost like we carry a child. So it's not time yet for that baby to be birthed. Right. If it's birthed prematurely, it's not going to survive. Right. Um, so we carry it. So while these mothers, maybe it's time for them to be in the home, but God's put these other dreams and these other longings in you and these gifts and talents, carry them, nurture them by praying about it, um, continuing to trust the Lord and being willing to step into that one day when the appropriate time does right. come. So I love that idea. And of course, she went on to, she cared for, I don't know, maybe a million plus orphans in Mozambique yeah, yeah. and it started a university for them. And she's a mother, but at the right time, then she went into those things and was able to bless so many other people by carrying the promise that the Lord had put in her. Mm-hmm. And that's just so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. As we were speaking about earlier, how it is so important to develop leaders to transform culture. We talked about the importance of mothers, you know, staying home in the early years for their children because it helps to nurture them. It helps to really bring the relationship closer. Now, because of the way society is heading, what are some ways we can develop leaders to transform culture? Yeah, great question. Um, I think back again to that word intentionality. Mm-hmm. We need to be very intentional in educating ourselves on modern cultural issues so that we can educate our children on these issues. Maybe <laughs> I would encourage us and myself even to turn off the news as often as possible, the social media, because Satan has a narrative. There is a worldly way, and then there's God's way. There's the truth. You know, when he says to arm ourselves with all the armor of God, that in the evil day we stand and we can stand firm, the first thing we have to have is the belt of truth. And when we're receiving so many messages that are not necessarily from the Lord. I would encourage us and model this for our children to try and turn off those messages as much as possible. Read books, read history. We're going to learn so much more from looking at history about what's right. really happening today than we are, you know, hearing the the world's perspective and the world's way of filtering and shaping the narrative for us. Um, so I would encourage you to do that, me to do that, and to lead our kids in that, help them to find resources as well that are kind of on their level that help them understand some of these modern issues. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, we make it a priority to do family devotional times with our kids. Mm-hmm. And so our oldest, as I mentioned, is 15. And my husband and I have a goal to read through the entire Bible with them before the oldest one gets out of the home. <laughs> so Every day at the dinner table or sometimes at the breakfast table, depending on our schedule for that day, we'll process, we'll read through a couple chapters and talk through it together. And what I would say too about developing these leaders is it's difficult to speak into someone's life when we don't really know how they're processing things and where they stand on things. Mm -hmm. So we love to give our kids the opportunity and it's so tempting as the mom or the dad to just speak for them, read it all and speak for them and make sure they get it all. And I'm not saying don't do that. However, we can be better served by knowing where are they coming from right now? How are they processing this information? How are they processing what just happened at school today? So if we can get these things up and out of them around the dinner table or wherever we're having these conversations in our home, 
I think we can better address, more effectively address these issues for them and help them to know where they stand. They need to know where they stand on these issues before they come up. Right. Um, and, and maybe sometimes they just have to process them when they come and we're here to process with them. I would also say encourage them to know when to stand. Mm. You know, the scriptures are very clear that we are to honor authority. Mm-hmm. We're to submit to authority. But at the same time, the scriptures are clear that whenever we as Christians who have the spirit of the living God in us mm-hmm. are being called out to do anything contrary to what the Lord would have us do, we have an obligation for civil disobedience. Right. So I'd say help our, help our children know where they stand and to know when to stand. Right. You know, I think of people like Corey Tim Boom. I mean, yeah. what a leader. Or Dietrich right. Bonhoeffer or William Wilberforce. They, um, they knew when it was time to stand and they knew where they stood on these issues because they, one thing they all have in common is they spend a lot of time in the presence of the Lord. The Lord, the spirit was shaping their mm-hmm. thoughts, their mind, their convictions. So when it was time to stand, they knew exactly where they stood on these particular issues. And they knew sometimes you, it's not the right time to stand. Sometimes we listen. Sometimes we learn. Mm-hmm. Um, at other times, we, we have a moral obligation to stand. Um, also, if you could, this is something we do through the Ministry of Christian Union in New York. We do a lot of one-on-one mentorship and discipleship. So I had the greatest privilege of, you know, the past year having over 300 one-on-one mentorship meetings. Oh, wow. That's um, awesome. Just walking with these incredibly gifted and talented young individuals, future leaders of our nation, mm. um, who've maybe perhaps come out of a very hostile university environment, hostile toward Christianity, very secular approach. Mm-hmm. And to be able to have someone to, to speak into their lives, maybe we walk through a book of the Bible together, um, just do life with them. Again, listening, hearing how they're processing things. And I say that can translate over into the home as well. In the early years, we have our kids' ear. We are their mentor. They love to hear from us. You know, they hang on every word that we say. Right. But as they venture into those teenage years, those preteen years, teenage yeah. years, college years, if you can find someone who is a godly, inspirational mm. mentor to speak into their lives, those are the years where they're probably going to listen to them. Um, maybe more readily than they're going to listen even to us. So I'd say mentorship, discipleship is an incredible gift that we have, um, both to seek that we are all being mentored by someone that we look up to who's speaking into our lives, Mm -hmm. and then to be looking for people that we can mentor and speak into. So we can be mothering, in a sense, our own children, but we can also be looking for many other people who need, they Oh, desperately need someone to just speak a word of truth to them. Right. When the world will not, where there is no absolute truth and they're starving for it. Or they so desperately need someone to just love them when they fall, when they sin. Yeah. To remind them to run back to the Lord who loves you. He forgives, you know, seven times seven or 70 times seven, whatever that right. number is. Um, and he's eager with open arms. So mentorship, I think, is an incredibly valuable thing. Also, inspiration. Um, through other Christian leaders. Mm-hmm. 
helping them to hear from other Christian leaders, maybe like you said, reading books on other Christian leaders. So I can get inspired. There's actually a children's series, and I don't remember now who put who put it out, but it's a children's series. Do you yeah, I've seen that about? book. Yes, I think I know what you're talking about. It's about, it's a different, it's a biography of all of the different Christian leaders, right? I actually, bought it, actually bought it as a gift for one of my girlfriend's children, okay. which I am, as you're talking, I'm like, I need to pick that up. <laughs> <laughs> Good, yeah. Well, the one I'm thinking of is uh, individual picture books on biographies of Christian mission of missionaries yeah. all around the world. Is this, if yes. it's not the same one, I'd love to know the one that you're talking about. I, as think well. that's, I think that's the same one. I'll look it up. Yeah. We read those. They were a gift to us by someone. I thank God for this gift, but we read them to our kids when they were little and I know it shaped them. I know it shaped mm. their worldview, the way they think about things, just a more backbone and courage mm-hmm. that they have compassion, willing to sacrifice, I know that it made an impact in their lives. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're still, they're young teens now. And so we're seeing some of the fruits of this and we're seeing, it's such a blessing to see the fruits of the things that you've invested into your kids. To be able to say that as they're teenagers, I'm so incredibly grateful because I know those are years when a lot of kids kind of go off the rails, right. have a lot of years to go, but it is such a blessing to start to see the fruits of the fruit of the spirit really in their yeah. lives and these things being born in them that you can see evidence that they have chosen to walk with the Lord. And we still have so much work to do, but <laughs> but it's a start. And I know the Lord will be faithful to complete what he has begun in them. So yeah, it is the greatest joy. Yes, to, to it is definitely, definitely a blessing to see the fruit. Now, as you were talking about when to stand up, can you give me an example? For the younger children and teenagers, how do you equip them to be able to stand up when the time is right for them to stand up? Mm, that is, that's great. Okay, I have a couple thoughts. One, this wasn't a matter of like speaking into an issue that's a sin or something that will that'll be the, the second thought. But the first one, my daughter, so this is actually our daughter who was adopted from the Congo. Mm-hmm. You know, she's experiencing trauma herself. Her birth, birth mother died. You know, she was moved from one country to another. She's been through a lot, but the Lord's just really worked on her heart and softened her. And she had a friend just yesterday, it's a really actually, she's in seventh grade, mm-hmm. just yesterday, who was text, she texted her friend and said, I haven't seen you at school in a while. Where have you been? Are you okay? I hope everything's okay. And a friend said, actually, no, her father had just died. And it sounded like it was a very traumatic thing. Like, I mean, you hate to even say this, but like they hadn't found him for till three months later. Oh. It was just a lot. And so for a, a seventh grader to be processing this with her friend, and she just had so much, she loved this child like Jesus would have loved this child Mm -hmm. she didn't you know there were more parts to the story that were kind of dark and she had such compassion on her she ended up saying what can I do and she baked her banana bread and meringues and and spent her own money at TJ Maxx to put things in a gift bag to take to her so this was one of the times where she took a, a stand just in the sense that she humbled herself and loved this friend but then taking a stand against a particular issue. So when we were living in New York City, raising our kids in the public schools in New York City, our son had, this is our oldest, he had an incident where they bring all of the seventh graders, these things tend to happen in seventh grade, bring all the seventh graders down for an assembly. And he, he came home and told us about this. He said, mom, you wouldn't believe what happened at school today. And they showed video after video after video 
where the person in the story that you you kind of identify with and feel sorry for, I can't think of the word for that in literature, but anyways, is, is the homosexual. Mm-hmm. And so they showed all of these videos and then they had someone come, a group come, it was a gay pride group. One is a mother of a transvestite. One was, um, I think two of them were lesbian. I can't remember what the other one was. There were four. And they came and they spoke to the class with authority mm-hmm. about this is my experience. This is what happened to my child. And, you know, these seventh graders are just sitting here taking all this in, but not right. giving me the opportunity for another perspective. So he actually ended up, we called the school, we talked to the school and they said they wanted to talk with our son and see how he felt about it. And I, we weren't really sure about how we felt about that, to tell you the truth, for him right. to go to the office with all these administrators and talk with them. But they called him down to the office during a day and we found out after the fact, I mean, the Holy Spirit came over this child, the way wow. that he was telling us that he spoke. And what he was able to say basically was, you know, without being condemnatory toward what was happening, he just said, this doesn't line up with what I believe and what I feel. And everybody, you know, we really talk about tolerance and everybody having a voice and being able to say what they believe. Mm-hmm. Yet he said, I'm not attracted to boys. But nobody's talking about marriage between a man and a woman. The entire conversation is about homosexuality. We're not given the full picture. And that's probably the majority of the students who are feeling this way. I mean, the minority rather than the majority is probably males attracted to females. And we need to be talking about this as well. Come to find out that the school administration, believe it or not, in New York City made four changes. And one of those... I know from a seventh grade boy That's filled awesome. with the spirit. Oh, wow. um, one of them, I'll just say one of the things they changed was that they notified parents before they have these issues that are more controversial. And the parents then had the choice to say, yes, my child will participate or no, please send my child to the library. So he were to do that all of the time. He probably wouldn't have a hearing, mm. but he was a respectful kid who loved the friends around him. And when it came time to stand, it was his time to stand because he was uncomfortable and we had called the school and the school wanted to hear how he thought. In that moment, he knew where he stood. He had the spirit of God in him and he was able to stand. So one example, may Lord equip all of our kids when the time comes that they know when they do need to stand. And hopefully it benefits many other people to find the Lord and to find the truth of the spirit that that sets us free. Hopefully it was a benefit to many that's a, such a great testimony, just because so much has been going on in schools and how things are just being forced into children. And I am so proud of your son, um, just for being able to be bold and stand up for truth and just basically having that wisdom to just share at that young age. And yeah. so thank you so much for sharing that. As you were speaking, I wanted to hear what are some elements that you can share that where we need to unleash leadership potential. <laughs> okay, when I hear the word unleash, <laughs> I think of power. I think of the Holy Spirit, Amen. to be honest. <laughs> you know, I think of the scripture, you know, not by might and by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Mm-hmm. And if we are modeling what we call through Christian union and then in my own family, and I'll say, I'm not speaking for Christian union today. I'm speaking just from my own perspective as a mother. But something that we do in both of those environments is, is modeling a seeking God lifestyle. We even have a, a manual that was pulled out of scriptures. Of what are these, these means of grace mm-hmm. that we can seek, we can use to seek after God to get into his presence. So for instance, 
or reading the scriptures, not for the purpose of reading the scriptures, but so that we would encounter the living God through the living active word of God. Um, so there are these means, fasting, repentance, prayer, worship. And so we have these means of seeking God. If we're modeling that for our children and teaching them how to walk in that, just as we start at the beginning of this podcast, that you were asking about, well, when is it time to be at home and who should be at home and all of that? I think it's the same here um, about being unleashed in the power of the spirit. We need to be guided by the living God Mm -hmm. um, because every scenario, every situation is going to be different. God is a God of timing. Amen. And we need to hear as his spirit is moving and speaking to really walk in the wisdom of God. We need to be walking by the spirit of God. So no matter what the situation that comes to our kids, I think that's part of what, for instance, equips Nathaniel for that particular moment. Yes, we had talked to him about these things at home. Yes, we had been reading the Bible together as a family. So he was forming his own feelings and thoughts about things. But when push comes to shove, if he didn't have the spirit of God in him, he would have been a total chicken and unable to be the kind of leader that he needed to be in the moment. So if we're going to unleash any power, whether it's in our homes, whether it's in a ministry, whether it's in a secular environment, whatever that environment is, we will be totally ineffective in the sense of having an eternal impact that matters and an impact on culture if we don't have the spirit of God directing us and filling us and empowering us. So I just say, you know, equip them as much as we possibly can along the way. Teach them the authority of the scriptures that as culture shifts around them, the word of God never changes, but that we also really need to be led by the spirit of God, because in one moment he may call us to be very tender because that's what's necessary. In another moment, he may call us to be very bold and courageous. So we need to be led specifically, I think, by the guidance of the Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Karen, for sharing that. Now, we're almost at the end of the show, but is there anything else that you would like to share with other gems of mothers out there? Yeah. Okay, a couple things, and I'll try to be brief on these, and then we're coming up on our time. I would just encourage, if any of you are thinking about, praying about adoption, I would encourage you to get on your knees and seek the Lord about that. We are all called to care for orphans and widows, right? Um, And some families are called into adoption and some families are not, but we're all called to support those who have need. And so if you're not a family that's called to adoption and maybe you don't even have a lot of money, but maybe you can buy and fill a backpack for a family who's adopted extra children, or maybe you can help them with their adoption travel costs or whatever it may be. Or maybe you are a family that's called into adoption. And I will say, I mean, besides choosing to follow the Lord Jesus, choosing to marry my husband, being gifted with the gift of our biological natural children, this is the greatest decision we've ever made in our lives. There are millions of children already on the face of the planet who need somebody to be their mother and their father. And they have no hope of that whatsoever, of an education, of regular food, of learning about the Lord, of having a family, an inheritance. And then the thing that strikes me most about our kids that we've adopted, I mean, they're just amazing kids. They are so talented and gifted and raised by the Lord that would have never been tapped into. Mm-hmm. They were in an orphanage in the middle of the Democratic Republic of Congo, no running water, um, no electricity. They would have never 
developed any of these skills and gifts that I know God's created them to be able to do. So I would encourage you, seek the Lord. It is not for everybody, but if the Lord's calling you into it, no fear. Go for it. Trust the Lord who will provide. Last thing, make your husband priority, right? God first, husband second, children third. Your children will be blessed beyond measure if we are in that order. Mm. And as you mentioned in my bio, that's something that my husband and I have done for 21 years. Yes, I was going to bring that up. Yes. (laughs) It has shaped us into who we are Mm -hmm. because when we meet together it's just us again it's not everything's about the kids and everything we it shaped us into who we are and we've been able to walk into the dreams that we have because we talk about our dreams when we're together what's God put in your heart we talk about those things but also the kids in the family are so blessed because they have this umbrella you know of safety and of love and Children feel the love they know, or they feel the strife. And that really establishes them in their identity, both in their relationship with the Lord and who they are in their, their place of belonging in their own family. So I would say that's the other piece. Look at um, the hierarchy of priorities for the family. God first, husband second, children third. We think putting our kids first is going to bless them most, but it doesn't. It's a disadvantage to them. Yes. Those are the two other pieces I would add. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. I was actually going to bring that up. Like you've had Friday night's date nights for 21 years. I tease my husband now because our daughter goes to ballet every Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. And I'm like, come on, babe, this is our 50 minutes of date day. date time yes so we would you know we would drop her off and then we would go to the cafe sit down I have my hot chocolate and he will have his coffee and we just chat and it's so important to have that together time with each other just to be able to catch up and you know um not having your kid around it makes a huge difference Absolutely. And again, remembering who you are and who the two of you are together. Yeah, right. it's such a tremendous gift. And the Lord and his wisdom has given that to us. In the early years, we were poor. You have to be super creative about how to do it. You need to get a frozen pizza and a movie, whatever you have to do. But to have that time carved out just to make it happen. Yeah. It gets easier as the years go by. Amen. Well, Karen, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you sharing all the different gem nuggets, talking about dreams and building up leadership. Really appreciate you. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much for giving me this opportunity. Good to see you. Absolutely. Now, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Gems of Motherhood podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more amazing Gems of Mothers and more resources, head over to gemsofmotherhood.com where you can subscribe to the show. That's where you'll find show notes with actionable tips and any links mentioned by our guest. Most importantly, I hope you'll find inspiration and learn to cultivate your own journey. You are loved. You're an incredible gem to God. He knows you intimately. He knows what you're going through and he knows what you need. Remember, you're fearfully and wonderfully made in him. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode.